time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. How do you do, David? It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. You're you're back, back in action again. Good to have you back on the Hive O'Clock Alarm, sir. Thanks for bringing me back into the fold, Doug. It feels good. It feels like a big, big handshake, a nice warm hug. Well, I thought you could stand to to wake up again this early. So that's me doing Listen, you. That's me doing you a no, favor. <laughs> there's no one that wasn't awake at this time the last two days. Well, let me just say that. Well, the Hornets woke up, David. They get the win in New York, 111-97. They were on a two-game losing streak, of course, um, but they they get off the schneid. David, what was – before we get into the box score, what were your thoughts on the game? Well, their big guys played. Um, You know, Kimba returned, had a big game. Um, Al Jefferson, hello. Hello, sir. How are you? 24 points, eight rebounds. I mean, they're jumping to the box score there. But the biggest thing, Doug, was we said in the last two games, they didn't not show up in the first quarter, you know? I mean, they decided to show up, scored 30 points in the first quarter. The Knicks had 25. But that's been the biggest problem over these last two games that they lost because they came back, but they just got in such a big hole, such a deep hole that they couldn't get out of it. So that was good to see. They had to do that. I mean, they had to bounce back. And this team's been pretty good about that so far. So that was the biggest thing to me. What about you? So the Hornets were missing Nick Batum, and they had a choice to make. They decided to start Jeremy Lin against Toronto, and in this game they opted to go with Frank Kaminsky in the starting lineup, uh, the the young power forward getting his third start of his career. I thought that was a good decision. I, I thought you had to get big against a New York team that starts Lopez, Derek Williams, and and can play Carmelo Anthony at that four position as well. And I thought, honestly, I thought it was a move they should have made against Toronto, but it's good to see them making that adjustment. I think you just you have to get bigger against these big teams. I thought Toronto had a lot of size too, and, and it paid off. Frank Kaminsky, 7 of 13 from the field, 16 points, and, and Jeremy Lin. Uh, he, you know, it, it's weird. It's, it's odd that, that Jeremy Lin... Uh, can, can play so well in the, in the starting role, starting two-guard position know. against Toronto, and then come off the bench in this game, two of nine, struggle to shoot the ball, six points. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the what the answer there is, but he did play 33 minutes. So uh, obviously Clifford liked uh, whatever he was bringing besides his shooting to that game. Yeah, and did hit a big three late in that game when the Knicks were making one last final push. Um, he and Kemba, I think, hit, hit a couple shots down the stretch. But it is weird, right? I mean, we know some guys just play better when they start as opposed to coming off the bench. But um, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you think they feel about that? Because I, I don't think they're gonna, they're planning to move forward with Jeremy Lin in a starting lineup. I think it's certainly something that they'll continue to evaluate, David. And honestly, I mean, the decision really is Jeremy Lin's. I mean, if he wants a starting position somewhere – then then he can take that and 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 opt out. Yeah. Um but back to this game really quickly. Uh yeah, the, the it was a tale of two big Al Jeffersons. It was a tale of two first halves because I thought in the in the first half, especially in that second quarter, they weren't really shooting the ball well. The ball stopped moving. Um but they were able to do and this is something that they didn't do in Toronto or Cleveland. They were able to do other things and get physical in other areas 
that made up for the lack of shooting, including nine offensive rebounds in the the first half that led to 14 second-chance points, and also a key in, in surviving that first half, low turnovers, only two turnovers in the first half. And then, as you said, Al Jefferson finally picked it up. Uh, it, Kylo Quinn frustrated him in the last meeting that they had. He frustrated him again in this meeting, uh, but luckily... Uh, for whatever reason, Rambus decided to pull Quinn and 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 put Lopez back in there. I guess to give them, you know, whatever he provides on offense. But uh, Al Jefferson just had a field day against uh, Robin in in the second half and really picked it up and had 14 points in that fourth quarter. So it's good to see. You know, it was kind of like without Batum, you got to go old school Hornets slash Bobcats and get some. Uh, you know, Kimball Walker, Al Jefferson chemistry going. Uh, did you have a particular play? I have a I have a play of the game. I have a play that really stood out in my mind, David. I don't know if you have one, oh, man. but I have one. Not off the, not off the top of my head. I just keep seeing Al uh, put guys in the spin cycle. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me, just seeing him go old school. But I don't have a particular one. Maybe I will by the time you tell me yours, though. All right, so it's 102-95, Hornets lead in the fourth quarter, but this was uh, it, it was 102-92. They were up 10, and uh, the Knicks score three. They're on the verge of giving up this lead. It feels like it. It feels like the Hornets are, are definitely reeling. Uh, the Hornets miss a shot, a bad shot. Kimba and Courtney Lee both get on the floor to poke a loose ball away, and Vujicic can't control it and the ball goes out of bounds. Next play was the Kimba Walker dagger to put the Hornets back up 10 with little time left. And to me, it just it symbolizes what you have to do to win basketball games. I mean, you had the, the intensity level that you have to have in the first quarter. They finally showed that, but also in, in the fourth quarter. It has to be the entire game. And and just seeing Kimball Walker get on the ball for the get on the floor for the loose ball, and then Courtney Lee poke it away because in those situations anything can happen. It looked clear that that the late that the Knicks were going to, going to come up with that possession, but just those that little chaos that that Kimba and Courtney created allowed the Hornets to retain the possession and then give them the opportunity to get that Kimball Walker dagger. So I, I just thought that That'd was. Be good one. That's that that symbolizes what you have to do to win, not not just regular season games, but that's the kind of intensity level they'll need in the playoffs. Yeah, I wanted to ask you something, Doug, because I was thinking about this the other day and wondered if the Hornets may be going through similar feelings. I'm ready for the playoffs to start. <laughs> I, I'm developing. I don't know if it's a combination of uh, you know the Final Four being over and just general overall fatigue, but I'm ready for the playoffs to get going, and I wonder. If some of these slow starts and losses, you know, if the Hornets are just kind of dragging at this point in the season without Batum, um, are you feeling that same way? Are you seeing anything that would lead you to believe the Hornets might be feeling that way as well? Just because they're locked in, kind of, I mean, they're in the playoffs. They don't have their seating yet. It kind of feels like they'll be in that sixth seed. There's certainly something left to play for. But, look, it's been a long season, so it wouldn't be the craziest thing. I was just curious if you – thought that that might be going on a little bit it's it's an interesting thought because it goes along the same wavelengths as a thought that i had last night or or just a, an interesting observation that, <laughs> we're just 
we're on the same wavelength, you and I. Um, no, I, I was thinking about how the Hornets have struggled against elite teams, your, your Clevelands, especially in the East, your Clevelands, your Torontos, and, and even Atlanta. But on the road, on the road sometimes, right? But they, but they have been able to, for the most part, especially when they're healthy, they've been able to take care of teams that they are supposed to beat, and they usually mm-hmm. do it handily. And then you look at a team like the Celtics last night, struggling with a Pelicans team that maybe what they they had what six guys it was like it was like one of these rec league teams where like half the team doesn't show up and you know they're all just uh, sweating out of their jerseys uh, and, and the Celtics struggle with that team even though they get Jay Crowder back and then Miami uh they struggle with the Lakers they lose to the Lakers the uh, the last week and yet you have the Celtics beating Golden State you have Miami dominating Cleveland this season so it's kind of it's opposite land. So the, the the Hornets and and these other teams and and I think that's interesting that you bring that up. This idea that that they may be just ready to get into the playoffs because I think you know for a lot of these guys that that were on the last playoff team like Kimball Walker, I think they are. They're just ready to get in there and and prove that they can do it. And, and you know I think it takes going to the playoffs year after year to really understand or have it in your mind like, okay, we've got to get this game, get this game so we can get this seed. You know, and otherwise I just think, you know, if you don't have that playoff experience, you're thinking, oh God, let's just, let let, let it get here. We're ready. Let's go. Right. I don't care what seed right. we are. Exactly. I just want to do some playoff basketball. Exactly. And like you mentioned the Celtics playing the Warriors. I mean, obviously they're going to get up for that game, uh, you know, I would think. And, and maybe you can make the same argument for the Hornets and the Cavs. But they battled back in that game. The, the Raptors game just wasn't a great game. But I don't know. I was just something that I was thinking. You know, as as, as I'm looking at these games and looking down the schedule, I'm like, man, let's just let's just go ahead and get to these to these playoffs and play some games that quote unquote actually matter. Not that these obviously games don't matter, but so yeah, I was just curious about that. I mean, it's certainly something that could come well, into you, play. But you wonder what they're going to do with real stakes. Like obviously, yeah. <clears throat> the Cleveland game and the Toronto game had stakes. They could have stayed in the but third, not, but not like right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but it's not, not like, the same thing, right? It's not like right in front of your face, right? It's like, well, we could stay. You know, yeah. It, it's so fluid. I mean, these these half game game leads or, or deficits that these te- these four teams have. It's kind of a weird thing to grasp. I think. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can look at the standings and do it, but it's not like a tournament situation or or a playoff situation. So maybe I'm th- overthinking it, but just uh, just a curious thought as, as some of these slow starts were kind of affecting their play. I don't think you're overthinking it. I don't think you're underthinking it. I think you're thinking it. Never been accused of overthinking. Much. <laughs> I think you're thinking about it in in, in just enough. No, I no, I I know I think that's a it's a good point and I think it will be interesting to see how they come out in their first two games and I, and I honestly I think that's why because they tend to get off to to good starts at home. So I think it's why it's important you know if the Hornets can run the table, which I think is probably what it's going to take at this point uh to mm-hmm. to secure a 4 or or a 3 seed. You know, I think that's why it's important that they do that because you know you, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they can because they, look, they're not. I don't think they're going to physically outmatch any of the matchups that they have against Miami, Atlanta, or Boston. But they can outshoot those teams. They can. I think in in a lot of the matchups, they are quicker than a lot of those teams. And and I think if you're Steve Clifford, you're trying to make sure that the team is just mentally better than all three of those teams. And he said it before the game, you know, home court's important, but, you know, he wants the team playing the right way, playing better heading into the playoffs. So if they have home court, great. If they don't, fine. The important thing is that they're playing, you know, not old Charlotte Hornets basketball. He likes the new Kanye. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, hey, I think. Well, you know, we we mentioned that in this Boston game on Monday. I mean, that could be interesting though, because you know, two teams, you know, fighting for that same position, and so how those two teams approach it uh, on the road in Boston. I mean, it's possible. I guess that could be a it could be a preview, right? I mean, it's still possible. You hope I don't that. Know if it, well, look, you time, hope you hope the Hornets approach it that way. That that's yeah. what I that's what we've been saying this whole show is that you know you hope that they can understand the, even though it's a regular season they can understand the stakes and use a game a, as a statement opportunity and I think it's mm-hmm. important because I think when you get into the playoffs you know a lot of things change but there the, but a team still comes in knowing you know what the other team is capable of. And and you wanna you wanna strike a little fear into their heart, so you know I think the Hornets could yeah. do that if they if they were able to beat Boston at least you know especially look I mean the danger the real danger is you you lose another game to Boston and then you end up playing Boston in the playoffs and they know they've got you beat right. and you don't want right. to do that so we'll, we'll be paying attention to that again we're on tonight Hive Talk Live Thursdays brought to you by ESPN seven thirty it's all about win with Walker. We're going to talk about the campaign, and we've got Dustin Pfeiffer on the show. It's Justin versus Dustin. They're going to debate whether Kimball yeah, – that's serious, folks. I'm rhyming. You know it's serious. Um, and they're going to be debating whether or not Kimball Walker should be the NBA's most improved player or win the most improved player award. So it'll, it'll be a fun show. We're going to set it up presidential debate style. I'll moderate. I'll try to keep these two apart. Going to be a fun oh, show. Man. Yeah. David, you should tune in. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I always do. All right. Uh, 6 o'clock p.m., HiveTalkLive.com. Until then, folks, uh, pour one out for the process. I'm sure Sam Hinkie will be fine. All hail. He's great. He's awesome. He's great now. (laughs) uh, One quick quick note. (laughs) If you you haven't listened to Sam Hinkie on Zach Lowe's latest podcast, um, do that. Uh, but it's great because he has the his voice his cadence is a mixture of Southern gentleman and Bill Belichick. I, I I I know those two things don't sound like they mix at all, and maybe they don't. But that's what Sam Hinkie sounds like. Anyway, I'll leave you with that until <laughs> until tonight, folks. All hail the Teal and Purple.